Good morning, everybody. Um, so today, we're going to continue on in our series where we're talking about our adoption in Jesus. And so, if you were here last week, and uh, or if, or if you, even if you weren't here last week, and you, you've heard like you know like we're adopted in Jesus, we're God's sons and daughters, and you think maybe maybe sometimes I don't I don't feel like that. Maybe sometimes that, that doesn't seem real to me. Maybe, it, maybe it's hard for you to interact with God as your father and to understand what it means that you're his son or daughter. If, you've, if you felt like that last week or if you've ever felt like that, then, then today's uh, passages that we go through and what we talk about today, it should, it should be good news to you. What we were supposed to talk about today originally and we, when we kind of planned out this series was that we were going to talk about the, the role of our adoption and in, in how we grow in Jesus. But and then the next week, we're going to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit. But instead, what we're going to do is today, we're going to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in our adoption and kind of how he makes that real for us. And the reason why uh, I, think, I think it's better for us to do it this way is because I want it to be very clear to, to me and very clear to you that like everything that we do in relation to who, who God is, what, what he's done for us, it, it flows out of the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Right, like on, on our own, like we cannot interact with God as his son or daughter. The only way that happens for us is if the Spirit is, is producing that in us. And that's exactly what we're going to see in our passages this morning. And so, uh, last week, we talked about how important it is for us to understand our adoption in Jesus. And there was that quote where, where the guy said, like, if, if you don't understand what it means to be a son or daughter of God, then you don't really understand Christianity at all. Um, and, and today, I want to I throw out another quote, which kind of takes that a step further. And so this is from the same guy, J.I. Packer. This is what he says. He says, his task, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, his task and purpose throughout is to make Christians realize with increasing clarity the meaning of their filial relationship with God in Christ and to lead them into an ever deeper response to God in this relationship. So filial is just a fancy relationship to say like we're his sons and daughters. And so what, what Packer is saying there is he's saying that one of the primary works of the Holy Spirit in our life is to make our adoption in Jesus real to us, to, to put us in a place to, to make us people who are able to interact with God as our Father, as his sons and daughters. And so kind of putting those two ideas together, right? If we want to understand our faith, if we want to understand more of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, especially in adoption, then in order to do that, we need the Spirit to do his work in us. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about the, the things that a couple passages say the Spirit does in us to, to help us be God's sons and daughters. So the first place we're going to go is we're going to go to Galatians 4, 4 through 7. So go ahead and flip over and your Bibles are there. If you don't have one, uh, it'll be up on the slides behind me. We talked about this passage last week, but kind of more from a, a high level. Today, we're going to focus on what Paul says to us about the Spirit in this passage. So Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. 
So last week when we looked at this passage, we saw that God sent Jesus at, at exactly the right moment in history. And he sent him in exactly the right way. He sent him, he sent him born of a woman. He became like us. He sent him born under the law. And so Jesus took on our flesh, took on our burden. He o- obeyed where we couldn't. He lived a perfect life in our place and then died a death, paying our penalty uh, for our sins. He, he redeemed us, Paul said. He, he bought us out of our slavery to sin and death and Satan and the law, and and he didn't just kind of redeem us and then stop there. He redeemed us for something, Paul said. He redeemed us so that we would be sons and daughters of God. He redeemed us for adoption. But because we're sons and daughters, Paul says in in verse 6, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And so this verse tells us two really important things about, about the Spirit's work in adoption in us. The first thing it tells us is that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God's Son. And I think Paul is, is describing the Spirit in this way. And later we're going to go to Romans where he calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of adoption. But he's, he's describing the Spirit in this way to, to specifically connect the Spirit to adoption, to uh, our, our, our sonship and, and daughtership in God. And so the Spirit here, it's not just the Holy Spirit, it's the Spirit of God's Son. The Spirit is uniquely qualified for the task at hand. He's able to apply the reality of our adoption to us because he is the Spirit of God's Son. He's the Spirit of Sonship. And I think this helps uh, protect against uh, something that we have a tendency to do as God's people. I think that when we think about the Holy Spirit, uh, especially um, as, 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 as Baptists, maybe it, it, he, he kind of freaks us out a little bit, right? And so we, we leave the Holy Spirit mostly in the, the intellectual realm right? We, we talk about him when we talk about theology, maybe like debates about spiritual gifts. Like, what does this gift mean? What does that gift mean? We talk about the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, and, and, and how he's connected to our salvation. And then maybe, maybe if we've got a big decision to make, we'll maybe kind of sprinkle the Holy Spirit into our conversation some. But, but most of the time, he just kind of freaks us out. And when Paul uses this language here to talk to, him, talk to us and, and tell us that he's the, the spirit of God's son, he's the, he's the spirit of Jesus, he's the spirit of adoption later in Romans 8, I think what he's doing is he's protecting us from, from depersonalizing the Holy Spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit is, is not a concept. Right? He's not some, some, some abstract thing. The Holy Spirit is a, is a person. Right? He's, he's personal, he's relational, and, and he is specifically qualified for this task of making our adoption real to us because he is relational. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we shouldn't think of the Spirit as an, as an it, but as a he. And in this case, he is the one who makes our adoption real to us. The second thing that this, this tells us about the Spirit's work in adoption is that Paul tells us not just who the Spirit is, he's the Spirit of God's Son, he also tells us what the Spirit does. God sends the Spirit into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. And when Paul says that he sends the Spirit into our hearts, he's not talking about our kind of ooey-gooey, red, romantic, you know, heart thing. In Scripture, heart is the, the core of the person, right? It's, it's, it's who we are uh, kind of at our center. And Paul is saying that God sends the spirit of his son, the spirit of adoption, like deep into there, and he cries out, Abba, Father. These are the same names that, that Jesus uses in the Gospels to refer to his father. And so here Paul is saying that, that 
God sends the Spirit into us, the Spirit of his Son, to, to help us to call out to God as our Father. In these two, two terms here, Father and, and Abba, I think they kind of balance each other out. Right? When, we, when we think of Father, I think we often think of kind of a, a more serious, solemn relationship. But the word Abba here, it's, it's, more, uh, it's more intimate. It's more, more warm, warm. Maybe you've heard people say that the word is like, is like daddy, like a little kid calling their dad daddy. I think that's maybe a little, a little too far, right? That's a little too informal. It's, I think a better word is the word Papa. Right? Because it's not like normal, you know, we don't really maybe use the word Papa all the time, but it's, it's a little, a little formal, but still very, very tender, very, very intimate. It describes a close relationship. So we have these, these two words kind of side by side, this, this serious formal father who also is, is intimate and warm and personal and closely connected to his children. The spirit in us like helps us, enables us, equips us, trains us to call out to God as this. And so when Paul tells us that God sends the spirit of his son into us, crying, Abba, Father, he's telling us that the spirit draws us to the father, that the spirit kind of immediately starts equipping us to relate to him as father, that the spirit teaches us to call out to him just like Jesus did. And because of what Christ has done, because of the fact that we've been adopted into his family, we can have confidence that God is going to hear us just like he hears his son, because the same spirit is with in us crying out to him. Now flip over to Romans 8 and we'll get, we'll get this kind of idea unpacked a little bit more um, where we see the, the Spirit's role in adoption. Now I want you to know this right at the beginning because we're going to read Romans 8, 1 through 17, but this morning we're doing a, a surgical strike here, right? There's a, a whole lot in Romans 8 that we could get lost in and at some point I promise you we will go through Romans and we will walk through everything in this chapter, but, but right now we're focused on the role of the Spirit in adoption, and so we're mainly focused, even though I'm going to read 1 through 17, we're mainly focused on the last part of this passage. So don't come up to me afterwards and say, hey, you didn't talk about this thing. Like I'm telling you, I'm not going to talk about that thing, unless that thing is the role of the Spirit in adoption. So, Romans 8, 1 through 17. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not, and anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, 
We are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So in this passage, Paul is, is unpacking a lot of theology about the relationship between, between the spirit and the flesh. And then when we get down to verse 12, he's, he's drawing a conclusion from, from what he's been talking about. In light of everything that he's just said, he says it's clear that we're not debtors to the flesh. We've been, we've been freed because of who Jesus is and what he's done to us. We've been freed from our obligation to the flesh. So we're not debtors to it. We don't have to live according to it. And he explains why that's good in verse 13. It's good because if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So, so we don't want to and we don't have to live according to the flesh. That's good because if you do that, you die. We, we don't want death. Instead, uh, we want to put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit. And so that should cause us to ask, how do I get the Spirit? Right? If I need to live, to live, in order to live, I have to put to death the deeds of the body by the Spirit. How, how do I get the Spirit? Well, Paul says in verse 13, right, all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. So if you want to be led by the Spirit, you've got to be adopted by God. We know this because of what he says in verse 15. You do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. We don't need to fear because we're no longer enslaved to the law. We're no longer enslaved to our flesh. We're no longer enslaved to sin. Uh, instead, we've been redeemed, right? We've been bought out of, brought out of slavery. Uh, and, and we've been redeemed so that we might be adopted as sons and daughters of God. That's what we saw in Galatians. And so if we want the Spirit, we need to be adopted by God because that's how we get the Spirit. Instead of receiving the Spirit of slavery, we receive the Spirit of adoption. Right here, Paul kind of takes that step, or that, that thought from Galatians a, a step further. He's not just the Spirit of God's Son. Now he's the Spirit of adoption, the Spirit who, who makes us sons and daughters. And notice that there's more progression. It's not just uh, the Spirit crying out in us, Abba, Father. Now, Paul says, the Spirit makes us cry out, Abba, Father. So the Spirit himself is, is bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so these two passages, side by side, make it abundantly clear that the Spirit plays a major role in our adoption in Christ. He plays a major role in, in making it reality to us. One of the primary functions of the Holy Spirit in the life of believers is to take the, the realities of the gospel and put them into place in our life. And this is what we see with adoption, right? The Spirit is the Spirit of God's Son, the Spirit of Sonship, the Spirit of adoption. The Spirit cries out in us to God as Father from deep within our hearts. The Spirit confirms to us, bears witness to us that we are sons and daughters. The Spirit equips us to relate to God as Father so that we begin crying out to Him in those same terms. And so last week, we saw that adoption is this, this amazingly gracious work of God on our behalf, right? I think that, that so often we, we primarily think about our salvation in terms of just, just justification, 
right? There's this, this courtroom scene where, where I'm declared not guilty and declared right instead because of what, what God has done for us. And we think like that's, that's insane and it is insane. But what would be more insane is if the judge looks at the defendant and says, you're going to come home with me and join my family. Right? I'm going to adopt you as my own so that you're never in a situation like this again. That's what adoption does for us. But the grace doesn't stop there. Right? He doesn't just bring us into our family and say, well, now you figure it out on your own. And he sends his spirit to make the reality of the fact that we are God's son or God's daughter real in our lives. He remains. He dwells in our hearts. He's down there at the, the deepest part of who we are, making us God's sons and daughters. Right? He cries out on our behalf to God as father when, when we can't do it. And he sticks around to, to train us and change us and transform us so that we begin to do that for ourselves. And so if you're ever at a place where you think, like, it, just, it just doesn't feel real to me that God is my father. I don't, I don't feel like his son or daughter. I don't feel like I'm really in the family. Well, first of all, you should make sure that you've actually trusted in Christ for salvation. Because that's how adoption happens to us. It's by faith in Jesus. But if you've done that and, and you still don't feel that way at times, which is, which is normal. Right? I think sometimes we're, we're afraid as Christians to talk about the fact that we, we struggle or doubt. But we struggle and doubt. So we should talk about it. Because then our brothers and sisters in Christ can remind us of who God is and of who we are. And when we're in that place where we struggle right, to, to relate to God as Father, know that God knows that. Right? The reason why he sent the Spirit into our heart to cry out to him as Father is because he knew we wouldn't be able to figure it out on our own. Right? He, he planned ahead for our failures. And that's good news because he's still in you if you've trusted in Jesus. He's still crying out to God as Father. And so what you need to do is recognize that there's not much for you to do. What you need to do is ask the Spirit in you to do for you what you can't do for yourself. If you struggle to relate to God as Father, embrace that and pray and ask the Spirit to help. If you're great at it, recognize that it's not because you're great at it. It's because the Spirit is doing that in you. So ask Him to keep doing it. Right? The Spirit is the one who takes the realities of our relationship with God and makes them real in our life. So don't, don't ignore Him. Don't, don't keep Him off a, a distance. Don't stick an arm out and, and keep Him away because, you know, He might freak you out a little bit. Right? You might become a, maybe a little bit more charismatic. Ask the Spirit to do what only the Spirit can do, to make the reality that you are God's son, that you are God's daughter, real in your life, so that you begin to relate to him, not as some impersonal, off-in-the-distance God, but as your Father, who cares enough about you, not just to redeem you, but to make you his son or daughter, and not just to do that, but also to send his Spirit into your life to help you be in that relationship with him. 
Let's pray together and then we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper and continue in worship. Father, I thank you that because of Jesus, you have declared us not guilty. That if, if we trust in you, you don't count our unrighteousness against us, but instead count Jesus' righteousness for us. And I'm thankful that, that your grace doesn't stop there. but that you invite us into relationship with you as our Father, that you invite us into your family, that you draw us closer to yourself, that you send your Spirit to help us live and grow and exist in relationship with you. And so we pray this morning that you would send your Spirit. Help us to to remember who we are. Help us to to cry out to and, and relate to you as our Father. I pray that 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 your spirit wouldn't let that be an afterthought for us, wouldn't let it be something we forget about, that we we would remember, Jesus, who you are and what you've done for us. We would remember who we are in light of that. And as we go about our lives, we would cry out to the God who is our Father, recognizing that you hear and answer and respond to us because we're your sons and daughters. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice on our behalf. And pray that as we continue in worship this morning, as we, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, as we join in worship, as we fellowship together afterwards, that we would do it in light of the reality of what you've done for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.